You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for Real Presence Live this morning. I am Heather Caro. And this is Deacon Paul Trinan, who is just tickled to be with Heather. And <laughs> we're, we're coming at you from the Abbey of the Hills. And if we should have some connectivity problems, I apologize on the front end. But we're just really super excited to have our yeah. next, our next um, couple. That, and I'm saying that purposely, John. John. Yeah, John and Barbara Lockwood. John says, I'm not much for the radio, but I said, you know, we'll see how the Holy Spirit moves. But we're, we're anticipating, we're kind of building up and, and giving, um, giving, you know, some, some light on the, the 10th anniversary uh, celebration that's going to be held here at the Abbey of the Hills Retreat Center this Saturday, December 2nd, from 2 until 6 o'clock. And before I, I ask John and um, Barbara about themselves, I do want to say that there's going to be some tours, there's going to be tastings, there's going to be different choirs and different um, musical, every hour kind of a thing. Um, there's raffles, there's baskets, there's... Um, so can Did you I show up at food? Can you show up at any point between? You can mention any time. Yeah, you can okay. come. You can come at five thirty. You want to, you want to catch the last, the last um, choir or singing, and it's gonna. Okay, so Deacon Paul trying in here again. I'm up here at the Abbey of the Hills with Heather and, and Doug, and just really blessed to be able to welcome folks to our 10th anniversary celebration. It's coming up Saturday. I apologize for us having to go off the air. We're kind of relying on some... Mm, We're out in the middle of nowhere, folks. Suspect, <laughs> suspect Wi-Fi. But I want to, without further ado, I want to introduce to you a really, really special couple who's, who's become a special part of the Abbey. And I always say the Abbey isn't 12 people. It's not six couples. It's not, it's everybody that comes here in some, in a real profound way. So maybe Barbara and John, can you tell the folks a little bit about who you are and where you're, where you're at now? Well, uh, we are a retired couple, both um, prior educators. We won't go into all of the details of that, but um, John had taught some, was a professor of music education at Northern State, and I was a, um, a principal at Catholic School here in Sioux Falls, St. Lambert School. Um, we are now retired and live in Sioux Falls. Um, yeah, so and okay. totally in love with the Abbey of the Hill. <laughs> so, how did that love? John, John, maybe maybe John, you could speak to how that that involvement of the Abbey started. What was the first step? Okay. 
Oh, there were several. And let me just say what Barbara just said, retirement is a misnomer. And when you retire, your vision of the world changes. And the Holy Spirit led us to many different changes. One of them was the Abbey. And we've been there on several occasions. I can't remember the first time I was there, but the, the dominant feeling that I had when I walked through the doors was a feeling of peace. And you have to remember mm-hmm. that the Abbey was built by a bunch of men. And as a man, we feel peace <laughs> sometimes differently. And when I walked through those mm. doors, the peace was overwhelming. <laughs> it wasn't just the architecture. It wasn't just the way it was run. It's the entire piece about the place. And it, it comes down like, you'll be familiar with this, this kind of glory cloud and just overwhelmed. <laughs> huh. That's Am beautiful. I? Wow. My um, Go ahead, Barbara. My introduction to it was I was going, to, I went to a, a women's conference out of the arena, the convention center in Sioux Falls a few years ago. And there was a table that was just, you know, in the way with a few other things that uh, vendors that were there uh, that was from the Abbey of the Hills. And I picked up some brochures. And I had read in the Bishop's Bulletin about the conversion of the Abbey of the Hills um, from Blue Cloud Abbey and had been taken over by these couples. And I was just, like, blown away by that that faith walk, that these couples totally mm-hmm. leap of faith to go out, come together. And I know it's a very condensed story to put that all out there, but how they did that. And I was like, wow. So picked up these brochures, and I said to John, we need to really support this place. This is amazing. And these people did the sleep of faith. We need to do our part to, to support. So called the Abbey and connected for the first time with Jill Adelman, who is the, the development director up there. And we, and we just started on, um, on a beautiful journey. The Lord has just opened up all kinds of doors for us to to be a support to the Abbey and, um, and you know, just be a part of the tremendous work that he is doing there. So that's beautiful from both of you, John. Well done, John. John well is a little done, bit John. hesitant to be on the radio, <laughs> but Barbara, thank you both for that. I'm going to, and it's just a beautiful part of, of who we are is folks like John and Barbara um, that are, that are who we are. It, it is. The, I've always said. I've always maintained that the the monks could have sold this. Place. They were gonna sell this place to a non Catholic entity, a non mm-hmm. um, for non sacred purpose, and they were that close to it. And mm-hmm. um, and but he but he spared it and has allowed as a gift.
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Faith resists brute force. There's an incident in the storm on the lake when the disciples are in despair because Jesus does not stir, not even when the boat is filling with water. And after he has stood up and he saves them, he says, How could you doubt? Jesus assumes that his disciples really ought to know him, that they ought to know he will not let them drown. The scene described here is concerned with the way Peter no longer looks at Jesus but has his earthly elements in view. Naturally then, by any reckoning of probability, he is bound to sink as soon as he gets out onto the water. But he has left out of this the essential point that he has been called by Jesus who is the Lord. Together with him, and by his power, he will, so to speak, be able to walk right over even what is deadly in this world. If we let our gaze be captivated by the tendency of the moment, then we have already lost our true anchor, which consists in depending on our relationship to the one who can overcome brute force. The brute force of death, the brute force of history and its impossibilities. Faith means resisting the brute force that would otherwise pull us under. Faith means fellowship with him who has the other kind of power, one that draws us up, that holds us fast, that carries us safely over the elements of death. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. This is Father Bo Braun from the Diocese of Duluth. It's my second year anniversary as a priest today, so I figured it's a good time to talk a little bit about priesthood and my favorite part about being a priest. You know, it's intense because you just think about where the priest stands. The priest stands, he stands in the place of Jesus Christ. He stands in between the people and God. And uh, that place is a, there's an intensity of life and there's an intensity of love there. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about the, I think the best times as a priest are those moments where God lets you feel that intensity. You know, so the mass. I would say is the is the highest point, obviously, because in the mass it's the his most intense prayer from the Son to the Father, and I'm caught up in the middle of that. But yet, I, I give all of that love then to the people, and uh, all through my my ordinary and, and very little heart. Uh, I remember even during that time, and, and this was uh, during the beginning years of John Paul II's pontificate, and whenever I heard him on TV, because he was always in the news, especially with his travels in Eastern Europe, Poland and all, I, I would hear the things that would come out of his mouth and I would go, there's no way this person is not close closer to God than I am. Mm. Uh, you know. So I always had this sort of secret respect for uh, for John Paul II. Of course I never said this to any of my <laughs> brethren friends, you know. You wouldn't dare. No, of course not. But I, I, I 
I, I don't mean to disparage them because they taught me to love the scripture. And interestingly enough, even though they, they do not believe in the real presence of Christ in the sacrament, they had communion every Sunday. And so they really taught me to love the Lord's Supper uh, and to love the scriptures. And so I'm really thankful to them for that. This is Father Bo Brown from the Diocese of Duluth. A lot of times, us as, as Catholics, we we struggle with the Holy Spirit because the, the Father is so approachable. He has a name that's very, uh, that we all know, right? That we can relate to. And the Son as well. And when we get the Holy Spirit, oftentimes He can take this, this kind of back seat in our relationship with God. And we see early on in the, in the book of Acts and uh, in the disciples in the early life of the church, we see how they live with the Holy Spirit and they express to us what it's like to live with Him and how He both sanctifies what they do and their ministry and gives them special gifts and also how He sanctifies their own lives and they talk about how the Spirit brings uh, certain effects in their life like joy and peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control. So I think it's good for us to think about today. What's our relationship with the Holy Spirit like? Is He a real person in our lives? We have the same kind of relationship with Him that we have with the Father and the Son. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Praise God. We're back. <laughs> we're back. We're back in a big way and maybe an improved way, let's hope. Huh? Yeah, we just yeah. ran through half the Abbey, so there's no, no big deal. <laughs> We were no trying to find a better connection, and we found it in Deacon's office. Yes, we are in Deacon's office. <laughs> there you go, right? right? It's exactly right, Barb. <laughs> so we've got Barbara and John Lockwood from the Sioux Falls area. But we've got them on specifically to, to share with you, with everyone, their, a little bit of their journey that's the journey of the Abbey. It's, it's the journey of the Abbey is um, this gift from God that's, that's specifically given to the people of this area. It's a gift. It's a gift. And it, it's like any charism or gift, if you're not cooperating with the gift, if you're not saying yes to entrusting the gift, mm-hmm. the gift is, is it's, it's no longer there. It's, it's not given in the fact that it's not received. So, John and Barbara, thank you for saying yes to the idea. I want to I take you back. You were describing before this interruption some of the things that brought you to the Abbey to begin with. And I want to talk to you about, as you've become part of the Abbey, what's been your m- moment closest to Christ? Mm. Your moment closest to Christ that you've experienced in your relationship with the Abbey? Well, I think it's uh, um, the spiritual movement. You know, my conversion to the Catholic faith really had uh, deep roots in the, in the Holy Eucharist. And um, as we came to see what was going on in the Abbey and, 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 um, and trying to bring the Holy Eucharist back there 24-7, um, it was just like, Oh wow! This was just like it. Just we really felt um, the movement there that that God was, you know, um, desiring that. And so to be a part of 
oh, I don't know, um, yeah. helping out to, to develop the priest quarters so that priests could be there um, in residence. Um, you know, we were, you know, downsizing our home and we're able to donate some of our, our furniture and so forth to just, you know, furnish the the unit and just be a part of that and, and um, you know, talking a little bit about the, the tabernacle and such and just the importance of, you know, of the design and, and you know, really praying through that uh, with Deacon Trinan. He, you know, he and the team had such wonderful discernments and um, putting that all together and making that become a, a, a beautiful reality because we know how central the Holy Eucharist is to our faith. And so just seeing that and, and knowing and just seeing the hand of God in all of that was so amazing. And I'm going to relay a personal story. John and I were um, in Ireland last fall, and I turned 70 when I was in Ireland, and woke up on my... Come on, 70? 70th birthday, <laughs> and I noticed there was a buzz from our, you know, our children were texting and uh, texting me, and I thought, oh, how fun, and they just said, well, Mom, we wanted to get you something special for your 70th birthday, and we know that you're not into things, materialist things. We know how important the Abbey has become to you and Dad. So we contacted the Abbey, uh, spoke with Deacon Trinan, and he mentioned that there was a monstrance that needed to be refurbished. And so this monstrance is being refurbished in your honor. I tell you, I just like the tears just streamed down my face. I showed the phone to John. He thought maybe I was saying somebody had died or something. He was like, oh, what's there? I was like, <laughs> the children were also moved. And that, I talk about the movement of the, the Holy mm. Spirit, to put that all together, mm-hmm. uh, knowing the, I mean, that was truly knowing, knowing my heart and knowing God's desire it was just, I can't even describe it in words of what that meant to us. And then being able to see that refurbished monstrance and knowing that, you know, God worked in such a beautiful way through our entire family. I mean, that was just amazing. It was mm-hmm. like, it was beyond words in mm-hmm. terms of a gift, you know. And, and just seeing those things come, that doesn't just happen. That's God's hand in in everything. It's amazing. And I think, Barbara, it is, it is an amazing gift. God's hand. And I, I kind of watched the Abbey as it was about to be sold, and it went way downhill, and we went, oh, but what can I do? And then I watched it come back up and come back up, and for me, the greatest moment was when the Eucharist was placed in the tabernacle in the main church. I was moved to tears. And it was not just because of anything we did, but because we were watching the Holy Spirit move, and we were part of that. Yeah, that was was an incredible moment, and just a sacred moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a sacred moment, wasn't it? A A sacred moment is one that sanctifies and draws us to holiness. We were mentioning this universal call to holiness, and it was... It was May 17th that Bishop Donald DeGrood, who, I mean, he's just kind of getting to know us up here. Mm-hmm. He's getting to know the whole diocese. But he has, I'm going to use this word again, the audacity or the, the trust mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit to guide him, to guide us, mm-hmm. to guide us towards this supreme honor of having the Blessed Sacrament here on a 24-7 basis. Mm-hmm. And tell him, why don't you share a little bit about that evening when he came up here and he had that dedication mass towards the placing of the Eucharist in the tabernacle for the first time. It was just, um, it was such a beautiful Mass, I can't tell you. And then um, just to see the church full and everyone witnessing this amazing um, moment when it was rededicated, it was such a, it's so moving. It was, it, it really was. And then, I, you know, we just spent... Um, extra time that night in adoration. Um, we had brought some friends along with us, and just to spend that time um, in adoration and just knowing the graces that are going to come from from the presence of, um, of, the, of the Eucharist being there. It, you know, and just the joy, even um, with uh, Bishop DeGroote, his joy was helpful. You know, um, it, was, it was just... Um, just great. I don't. Great is such a yeah. <laughs> For me, it, it was it was a little bit different. Um, that that all, of course, is wonderful. But I, um, one of my claims to fame is that I was at the Abbey when Deacon Hillebrand was there, and I got to go to confession to him, and that was that was a real honor for me. And then when he walked in. I walked up to him and said, you don't know me, but I remember you, and we had a wonderful conversation. <laughs> and then at the dedication, he was there, and he looked out and saw the full church. And his concept, his, his thought was that all of our work almost went down the drain, and now we know the Lord has blessed it. Mm-hmm. And just the look on his face, mm-hmm. that, that was that was. Wonderful. That was actually two different events. That was a, an event when um, he was there when um, he did a, a presentation with some of the, the monks. Uh, the oh, so that was interesting. Yeah, it wasn't the same time. You see how glory runs together. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still. I mean, we've yeah. just been up there several times, and every time we try to bring um, other people with us because we want, that's what it needs to be, is something as a shared experience and and it's really been fun to see how other people have, from this area, you know, it's a little bit more of a drive, right, Heather? <laughs> um, yeah, to, not to too bad, though, answer. not too bad. Not not bad at all. And and then people realize that's not bad at all. And they get there and go, oh, my goodness, I've heard of this place and have just been so touched by their experiences, you know. So I think the Lord calls us to invite others to come share in that um amazing experience and it's been wonderful to see you know people saying yes to that yeah and it and i it has been and 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 i'll say this about the blessed sacrament because you guys are a part of that an integral part of that but that was part of a whole team whole prayer team really but but the 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 effect that that grace will have on our i'm going to say this specifically our catholic brothers and sisters Uh yes and our non-Catholic brothers and sisters. Because people come into this now, and they go, what's going on? If they're non-Catholic visitors and retreatants, they go, what's going on over there? Something they know, even, even visually something's going on, 
but I believe spiritually. They know mm-hmm. something's gone on. And there's just this mm-hmm. opportunity to share our faith in a way that we just can't do out there on Main Street. Um, mm-hmm. or, we're just too closed up. But I think the Abbey just gives this wonderful evangelical movement on both sides to, to try to coordinate and try to, I, I think the, the term um, uh, is, is, is being able to find the beauty of their faith and the beauty of our faith and try to find some commonality between that. I had a group of mm-hmm. uh, Methodists that were up here. Even the mm-hmm. pastor said, hey, I, I want you to speak to them a little bit, and don't be afraid to throw a, a little bit of your Catholic stuff in there, too. Ooh. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> and, and I think the, the gift of, of being able to minister with the Blessed Sacrament here towards 12-step folks Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is a big, big part of the Abbey too. They've just—they were the when we opened up ten years ago. They were the first in line to start coming back here, and they've increased from like two or three times a year to five or six times a year. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, if if the Abbey existed for those folks alone, those courageous, courageous folks alone, mm-hmm. then I think we'd be meeting God's God's um. God's honor and this gift that he's given to us. But it's so much more. It's just so Absolutely. much more. Absolutely. I noticed um, there was a, a comment that one, one person that we had invited to come to the Abbey had said to me, and she said, um, this world is hurting in so many respects. Um, there is absolutely every reason to have more and more places of healing. And she just really described first sense of the Abbey as being a, a place of healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Barbara and John, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We've ran out of time. Um, it's such a joy to hear other people in love with the Abbey as much as we are. So, um, Deacon, we need to take a quick break and when we come back. Christmas at the Cathedral is what's on the on the. Yeah, we get to visit with, with kind of the author that God yeah. uses for Christmas yeah. at the Cathedral. That's Marcus Timia. So stay with us. And we'll talk to you soon. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. If there is a merciful God, how can he allow such suffering? I'm Father Chris Alar. God took his greatest risk in giving you his greatest gift, free will. He risked that you may choose not to love him and to hurt your neighbor. But even then, God wants to bring a greater good out of evil. There is no worse evil than a creature nailing his creator to a tree. Yet God brought a greater good from it, your redemption. God doesn't want you to suffer, but he allows it. Why? Because your suffering can also be redemptive when you share in the cross of Christ. It is not easy, but when you learn how, it changes everything. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. 
The letter to the Hebrews describes the scriptures as a double-edged sword. This weapon is so sharp, it can cut us to the bone, revealing our hypocrisy, our justifications, our self-recited limitations, and our hidden motives. They are like a riverbed clogged with boulders. Our lives then become stale and boring without the fresh, clean, rushing waters of God's Spirit. And yet these waters can rush in through the Word of God. In the same way, it may be painful at times to read the scriptures God gave us, but the life they bring is crucial. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Today, allow the Word of God to clear away the obstacles that block you from a total life of holiness. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace. Power. Purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org.